0: A son attempts to find a lost convoy of Nazi gold that his father ambushed years earlier, only to find the gold is being protected by a group of sun fearing zombies. We watched the 1981 horror movie Oasis of the Zombies on this week's episode of Bottom of the Barrel. Welcome to the final bottom-of-the-barrel Hollow Scream month episode. Okay, actually, that's not entirely true. We do have a very special episode on Halloween. However, this is the final one that will follow our standard format. The one on Halloween will have a little uh, bonus material on it and some special guests attending, so keep an ear out for that. However, this movie... Oh my goodness, I just finished watching this. Literally no more than five minutes ago. And let me tell you, this movie is so special and so awesome. It is actually in the public domain. That is how awesome this film is. The movie is a 1981 film called Oasis of the Zombies. That is how you will find it on Netflix. However, if you were to look up the film on IMDb, you will find that the title is actually credited as The Treasure of the Living Dead. Neither one of those titles really helps the story off at all. The cover art, however, for (laughs) the movie on IMDb is quite spectacular, but that's probably the best part of this whole film. When you watch the movie, you will question when this movie actually was made, if it was made in 1982 like it says it was, or if it was made sometime in the late 60s, because the quality of the film is so just that 60s feel. It's quite amazing. And the special effects in the movie are Terrible. (laughs) These zombies do not look very good, uh, which I'll get into in the review. So let's get right into that. The movie opens following two badly dubbed women driving into the middle of the desert where they stop to figure out where they are. After pointing out that they've been driving for 15 hours through the desert, huh, that Jeep must get really good gas, they decide to go out and take a walk around because that's smart. While walking, the one points out constant noises that aren't actually on film for some reason, the two stop and find a grouping of cannons and rifles just sitting around in the middle of the woods. After nervous noise, Lady starts freaking out more, causing the camera to zoom in on random bushes. She freaks out and runs back to the car, where she's attacked, quote-unquote, by two arms that suddenly stick up out of the sand. She screams. Her friend, who's left behind, screams and starts running away from the cameraman only to cut to the opening credits. That's why you never leave cars, kids. Stay inside, lock the doors, listen to your Bon Jovi, or whatever you listen to. Cut to the city where a different jeep of two people arrive at a house. The man gets out, and after a quick disassembly and reassembly of his pen, for some reason, he heads inside to meet Mr. Seventy's mustache for a glass of liquor. Inside, Explorer Guy informs Seventies Mustache that he's aware a cargo of gold valued at $6 million was lost during a convoy in the war, and he wishes to find it, knowing only Seventies Mustache Man knows the location of it. Seventies Mustache warns of the legend of spirits that still apparently guard the lost treasure, which I'm sure is not an allusion to what will happen later in the film. And points out that the location on the map, only to be backstabbed, or... Hand-stabbed by Explorer Man's pen. 70s mustache falls to the ground, and Explorer Man's flees only to slowly drive out of the guy's front gate. Very casual. Not in any hurry. Cut to cliché London, England, establishing shot at Big Bend chiming, where we meet a handful of people in a building nowhere near Big Bend. The boy in a white suit gets a note that his father is dead, and he must go to his body in Africa at once. His friends casually walk away as he casually walks down a giant flight of stairs and... End of scene, apparently. Back in Egypt. Now, white suit boy, whose name is Robert, is now at his father's house in Africa reading through conveniently left-behind diaries of his father's writing. As he sits alone reading, we're given a flashback to the war, where a convoy of army men cram onto three small jeeps and casually drive around in the desert. They find themselves in an oasis, where it cuts between two shots that are obviously not filmed in two complete different parts of the world. Warned by the wounded, or dying man, that the Germans are coming, and that they need to leave or hide now, we cut to the Germans arriving as the army group hides and readies themselves for a fight. After what looks to be a few hours, the Germans get out and casually help themselves to the water and... bathe until Seventy's mustache fires a single bullet, ultimately causing a gigantic firefight to break out, where explosions don't have sound effects, people fall out before they're shot, gunfire doesn't actually hit anyone, point-of-view firing from somebody's gun, crazy color-changing shots, and no shot actually lasting for more than two seconds all happen in about a minute. The firefight is an epic piece of filmmaking when suddenly... It stops, and Seventies mustache is shown walking into the desert, alone, with no guns, and no real explanation as to why. Imagine if in Terminator 2, in the middle of the mall shootout, it would suddenly just cut to the Terminator and John talking at the truck stop. Pretty much the same thing just happened. After Seventy's mustache collapses from walking for so long, a wandering troop of camel riders stop by and take him. He wakes up inside a hut, where a woman stares at him for a moment, and he passes back out. We're shown the outside of a building, and then cut right back to him inside, still asleep. Okay. The woman now creepily stares at him from across the room, and is joined by a man who mysteriously is in the room, then not in the room, then in the room again, who tells her to mind her chores, and she leaves. Seventy's mustache wakes up, and the three have a conversation across two floors 200 feet apart from each other in an apartment condo. After some more uncomfortable staring-slash-glaring scenes between the woman and Seventies Mustache, there-slash-not-there man and Seventies Mustache has a conversation regarding the Oasis, where apparently people are already saying not to go because something weird is going on. But this doesn't scare Seventies Mustache Man, who demands he goes back to the Oasis, and of course, we cut to a scene where he and Staring Woman walk into the desert, and she takes her clothes off. Uh, Wait, what? Wait, did I miss something? Okay, apparently awkwardly staring ultimately ends in having sex. Duly noted. Seventy's mustache and voiceover narration says he went back to the Oasis and then went right back to the house to find Staring Lady to be dead, having given birth to his child, a.k.a. Robert. Oh yeah, I forgot this was all in flashback. I was really engrossed in the story of this movie. That's a complete lie. So back in the present day, Robert and his friends who apparently all tagged along to help him go through his father's stuff, sit around talking about the last convoy slash oasis. And when they talk, everyone apparently had different parts of the script given to them and told to just say the lines whenever they felt like it. Robert says he just has to find their slash not their man who will tell them where the oasis is and says that he has just enough money to pay for everyone's trip to see the man. Okay, so apparently they're not in Africa at this point? That establishing shot earlier apparently had no bearing on the film's plot. That is awesome. Cut to Explorer Man and his group of people arriving at a panning shot of a group of trees that hasn't already been used in the film twice already, who says that they're on the right track. They arrive at the Oasis, or somewhere that the camera cuts to a zooming shot of something, and then pans awkwardly down to something else... And then they sit silently in the car for a bit and stop right next to the obviously not-aged swastika painted on a box. Quickly making camp, Explorer Man and his girl go to bed while the other two random red shirts decide to go for a walk. They do, and I. Next scene. But wait! The badly done zombies that in most shots, are not just a sculpted head, start attacking the Explorer Man and his woman. The zombies have enough thought to rip the woman's shirt and pants off before attacking her as the man gets away in the jeep after a very brief scuttle with a zombie. Suddenly, the zombies all stand up and have a staring contest with the sun before walking away. Ooh. Explorer man somehow manages to get the jeep stuck in the bushes and wanders off alone. Back to Robert and his friends who now are in Egypt. At least they better be because damn it, they showed them pulling up in an Egyptian city. Window shop, the clothes of the locals. The UG Levy of the group. No, seriously, take a look at him when you watch it has apparently decided to take on the local customs and wears a fez, because fezes are cool, and stops a prey to a random man on a balcony. They come across two creepy large bearded men with a camera and microphone who takes them to a random blonde lady who works with them. A Lance Henriksen-looking man rushes up to Blondie, tells her someone is sick, and rushes off with Robert and his friends in tow, because, yeah, why not, right? Just go with this random blonde woman you just met. I'm sure her sick friend is gonna be okay with you tagging along. Arriving at the house, we find that the sick man is actually explorer man who managed to make it back to civilization, but now appears to be delusional and in no way becoming a zombie with a giant bite mark on his neck. He wanders around for a bit before starting to scream, moan, and yell, with no one offering to help him. Falling onto a pile of sticks, Robert, who's been staring at him for a while saying absolutely nothing, suddenly realizes who he is and asks him to tell him multiple times where the location of the oasis is, with no emotion to his voice. Where's the oasis? Come on, man. Tell me, where's the oasis? Pretty much just like that. Explorer man moans, reaches his hand out, and then stops. Apparently dead now, I guess. So they burn him. Yep, burn his body because these people are actually smart, unlike those in most zombies movies. So as everyone stands around, watching Explorer Man become Barbecue Man, in no way creeped out or emotionally scarred by seeing a human body burn in front of them, we cut to a sunny morning where Blondie and Robert Friend Number Two are playfully swimming nude in the water. Yeah, nothing like a burning dead body to really bring two people together. Realizing they're late for the expedition to start, they rush back to the house and get into the cars, having changed at some point during their run. Arriving at their-slash-not-there-man's house, Robert confronts him, where he says he wants to find the oasis that his father went to. Their-slash-not-there-man agrees he'll take him part of the way there and let him find the rest, and does so in the next scene. So glad they set that up. Making miraculous time to the oasis they've never been to, they find foe Lance Henriksen in Blondie's jeep that beats them out there. It doesn't feel right, one says, and they decide to split up and go looking for them. Well, at least they're following some normal structure of these films. They find the dead bodies of creepy Beard men, one and two, and Blondie, who somehow is kind of alive or something. Not sure, even the dialogue was inconclusive about it. Then, foe Lance Henriksen wanders out of nowhere, complains about zombies, and passes out. Not alarming anyone. They start to bury the dead when, oh hey, Blondie Woman is just fine now and walking around. You know, she actually seems kind of calm for that matter, considering her friends were just killed by zombies in front of her. So everyone starts to dig, they find a gas canister buried in the ground, make a joke on the cost of gas, and… that's the end of the scene. Okay. Cut to oddly playing organ music, random shots of the desert, faux Eugene Levy sitting alone staring dramatically off at the sand, and Robert Friend Number Two and Blondie going at it in the tent. Well, not really going at it, more like... wiggling around a bit on each other for two minutes. Meanwhile, foe Eugene Levy hears what sounds like a pig who can't get his snort going, followed by sand moving, then random jungle birds, then dogs barking, and then- Okay, wait, stop, movie. I understand that the point of all the weird noises in the film is to put the viewer at unease, because there's obviously something mystical and uncertain going on in the woods and the sand. But when the sounds are randomly mixed together with no fade between them, only dramatic cuts, it's not scary. It sounds like you didn't know how to edit. Also, it doesn't even seem like the sounds have any connection to one thing or another and are more of just like a random collection of sound clips that the editor recorded while wandering around the zoo. Okay, rant over. Back to the movie. So faux Eugene Levy, being the smart guy that he is, wanders off to find the source of the random noises and manages to stumble across some random stick sticking out of the sand and feels compelled to pull it out which he promptly changes his mind and discards when he does so however the zombies slowly start coming out of the ground he starts to run around and somehow manages to blindly run into a group of zombies who immediately attack and kill him so sad foe eugene levy you will never know the desire to make bad unnecessary sequels to OK movies from the late 90s pity after his death the camera kind of pans around darkness for a while and randomly focuses on things until a few zombies walk and pause on their marks to be in focus for the camera. They continue their odd attack of the others by leaving the oasis, only to walk across the desert dune to the others' base's camp. The others awake in time to see the zombies all slowly approach and are told by foe Lance Henriksen that they only come out at night and that the sun will fend them off. Apparently because zombies are vampires now. As the others rush to their car in practically complete darkness to get a gas tank, Blondie moans more now than she did in the sex scene earlier as the zombies approach. Really, it just kind of keeps going, and you it, it get a little awkward after a while. As they make a ring of fire around the camp, the zombies all suddenly stop and watch as the sun starts to come up. Wow, maybe the zombies should just start to make their attack a little sooner than 5.30 in the morning? Blondie starts to rush back from the jeep, which is now in a completely different place than it was two seconds ago, with another tank of gas and gets attacked by a zombie coming out of the ground. After more moaning, and no visible action because the screen is mostly black at this point for some reason, Robert gets her and pulls her to the jeep, now back at its normal place. But it's all for naught, as after some very confusing editing, Robert's friends appear to have just vanished after lighting the ring on fire, and Blondie gets attacked in the jeep only to die. (sighs) Robert now watches on holding someone close to him, I don't really know who it was, as the remaining zombies standing out of the circle watch on and then fade away. Oh wait, but the ones that are already dead? Yeah, they don't fade away. Their their bodies just stay there. I remember earlier in the movie when they said that the only way to kill these zombies is to burn them? Yeah, those zombies are apparently just dead. That doesn't apply to these people. Great continuity. Robert drags the remaining friend away. Oh yeah, I kind of forgot that there was another woman in this group. And they pass out in the desert, wearing different clothing. The there-slash-not-there man rides up on his camel, looks down at Robert with a glowing blue face, not really sure if that was intentional or just a mistake on the film's part, asks if he found what he was looking for. He says he found himself, and the three ride out on their camel and jeep. Wait, why the hell didn't the two just take the jeep in the first place? Did, Did they take it and decide to just... Get out and lay on the beach until their slash not their man showed up? Or did they go back and get it? Was there any problems with the zombies when they went back the second time? No, seriously, movie, don't end. I need answers. What? This movie was just... Weird. It's... Okay, let's say this. The movie is another one of those badly dubbed uh, foreign movies that were made in the 80s that apparently I just seem to love so much. And I'm not sure if something got lost in translation... Or the people who made the movie just didn't know what what they were doing. Because, frankly, this movie... Very... I can see why it's in the public domain. Let's just say that right off the bat. It's very entertaining to watch this film... Just because of how badly done it is. The scenes that take place at night are obviously filmed during the daytime. They really don't even try to hide the fact that it's daytime. The scenes that aren't supposed to be in the daytime are really dark. Random scenes are just ridiculously dark. Um, At the point in the end when they're lighting the Ring of Fire, there's so much black smoke pouring out of the fire, you can't see what's going on. Like I said, I really have no clue what happened to the other friends in the group, because once they lit the fire... You couldn't see anything for the rest of the movie until they left. The continuity is so ridiculous and over the top. There's just random nudity in a couple spots. Like it just didn't. The characters didn't feel like they were fleshed out, and that's why it's so funny <laughs> because it's so bad. You can you you would have a hard time not laughing at the terribleness that is this film. And I understand that they were trying to make a, a quote unquote like original zombie film. And people do like the there's a lot of um descriptions of the film talking about like uh Nazi zombies guarding the fortune. Truthfully, I didn't really get that feeling that the zombies that were there were the Nazis. I mean, I guess I understand that during that battle with 70s mustache man in the past, they they killed a lot of people, and apparently he was the only survivor. So obviously, everybody who died now protects this gold the people in the movie mention that this treasure that the zombies apparently or not the zombies but the nazis were apparently just holding is worth six million dollars that phrase is said like a half a dozen times by different people in this movie that it's all worth six million dollars it got to be annoying after a while it's like yes i understand it's worth a lot of money just go find it but they never really like Explain there. It felt like it felt like after that fight scene because it just cut to him walking in the desert 70s mustache man walking in the desert. It felt like there was a scene there that should have been there. Why was the Nazis guarding the treasure? Why did they have the treasure? Who buried the treasure? Like, there's a lot of questions that was never even touched upon really. And I mean even even the uh, IMDB, the IMDB description says an expedition searching for treasure supposedly buried by the German army in the African desert during World War II comes up against an army of Nazi zombies guarding fortune. Okay, um you never saw them burying any treasure. You never the only time you ever saw the Nazis was briefly before the fight began and then everybody just died. So it's just it's one of those that it's Yeah, there's definitely some translation issues and apparently the guy who made this movie just didn't know what he was doing. Now, however, having said that, the director of this film, which is Jesus Franco, actually, dude's made a ton of movies. He's a Spanish director that has just made so many of those Badly done, kind of like rip-off horror movies. He's done a ton of Dracula movies in the 60s and the 70s. This dude is one of those guys that made well, let's just look here. Uh in 74, he made one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, nine films. Nine movies in one year. However, he makes them all under different names. His usual name is uh his name is Jesus Franco, but he also goes by Jess Franco, Clifford Brown, JP Johnson. Uh, Wolfgang Frank, uh, what else is it? Uh, Rick DeConnick, uh Adolf M. Frank, James Gardner, James Gardner apparently, Dan L. Simon, Anton Martin Frank, this dude David Toff. I'm just going through Jack Griffin. He he goes by all these other names um, while he's making these movies and. I, I I don't know why. <laughs> I'm curious to see these other movies to see if they're all bad like this. But it's it's such a poorly done. And for a guy who's, a, who's been making tons of movies since the 60s, at the point this film came out, you thought he would have done a little better job, but apparently not so much. Oh, and he's written 170 films. That's terrific. And guess what? He is still making movies. That's just that much more awesome. So I do recommend you finding this movie. If for some reason it is currently on Netflix, but if for some reason it is not on Netflix, as I said, it is in the public domain. So please actively find it. You can download it off the internet with no worries about getting in trouble because it's in the public domain. So definitely find this movie. Again, it's called The Oasis of the Zombies, possibly also called the treasure of the living dead depending upon where you look and well frankly that's all for this month's episodes of bottom of the barrel thank you for joining me during hollow stream month Uh, we're planning on doing more uh special episodes like this for the christmas season so watch that for the month of december uh we shall have some awesome terrible christmas movies That's going to be fun. And maybe some more special guests will show up for those. So thank you very much for listening to this week's episode. Have fun and happy Halloween, everybody. (laughs) I always try to make it sound dramatic. I just can't. So sad. What's really sad is when my voice cracks. That's just really depressing. For more information about this and other programming, visit our official website at www.gostat.net.